Game of Thrones Season 6, Episode 9, Battle of the Bastards is over, but we're just getting started here on the Game of Thrones Book Club on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. I'm Josh Wiggler. Joined here yet again, another week in a row where we are just, we are missing Terry Schwartz and we are surrounded by all these soldiers that are trying to kill us because we do not have Terry Schwartz on the podcast. But whoa, look at that in the distance. Whoa! Oh my god. Dun, 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 Terry dun, Schwartz dun, dun. has come back. Terry just, Schwartz is actually here. The Knights of the Schwartz are with her. The Knights of the Schwartz, my two dogs, are here with me, yeah. Ricky and Phoebe, coming in to save the day. You're welcome. You won't die this week, Josh Wiggler. Would Ricky... You'll live- would Ricky and BB eat the faces off of any bad people? You know, Ricky might. Uh-huh. I think BB would just give, give Ramsey kisses. It, her, is it a he? Is it a hers, BB? BB, BB is a she. BB is a she. I've seen BB in Instagram posts and I've always pronounced it Bebe. Um, well, she can be your Bebe. I'm just thinking of it from South Park terms. This is like getting so off topic with Game of Thrones, but BB's real name is Beatrix Kiddo. But uh, that she's very much a BB more than a Beatrix. Is so. is Ricky real named uh, Rick on Stark Schwartz? Um, as much as you know, I love Rickon. If we were gonna if we were gonna honor him, obviously he would be Shaggy Dog. Uh-huh. Uh, Ricky came with Ricky. Okay. Ricky was found on the street. Ricky heard his name and is very excited. Okay, so not, um, not Rick. This is like Schwartz. I'm sorry, everyone, for this. Yeah, I, my dogs are very important, but this episode freaking blew my mind, and I'm sorry that it's taken us this many minutes to get into <laughs> get into the meat. People of this are in the book club to know more about your uh, pet ownership details. Well, this will be that'll be a special episode in between seasons when we're better this season. Than last season. Oh, we say that now. I know. Well, we'll, if we do a whole episode just about my dogs, nothing Game of Thrones related at all. I promise that will happen. If if people want that, you tweet it up. That sounds like the best podcast ever. The Rick on Schwartz dog show. Yeah. Yeah. Rick on BB Schwartz dog show. All right. It's going to be very good stuff. But we're talking, (laughs) obviously, about not just dogs. Although we'll talk about dogs maybe a little bit, too, as we eulogize Ramsey Bolton at some point in this episode. But this is the Game of Thrones book club. As you know, here's our prerequisite spoiler warning. We are talking about Game of Thrones from the perspective of people who have read the books by George R. R. Martin, A Song of Ice and Fire. Anything that Martin has written about in this universe is fair game to chew on here, just like dogs chew on Ramsey's face. (laughs) That is all safe. Everything is safe so if you are not cool with any of that get out of here now otherwise let's hop into it terry first off how are you we missed you last week i missed you guys so much but i was busy playing a lot of video games and getting paid for it it's like a really hard life e3 e3 E3. sounds like the place to be e3 and i was like guys i can totally make time to do book club and then it started like basically saturday night it started last week and I just didn't stop working until Thursday. Well, it wasn't really working, but I didn't stop doing stuff until Thursday at about 3 a.m. And then proceeded to sleep for 16 hours on Friday. All right. We so, don't need to know how cool your life is in comparison. It was so. crazy. It was crazy. What I'm saying is that I'm very sorry I miss book club. Um, but, but lots of good stuff. And what I would have told you then is I can't believe it's been so long <laughs> since, since you three began. It was sort of a blur. Um, I just, I walked out of that episode and watched the promo for this week's episode and I was like, I don't even care about uh-huh. episode eight. All I care about is episode nine. This looks amazing. And it was amazing. Like I'm totally fangirling, like being a terrible critic and just full on fangirling about how much I like this episode because I saw the criticisms. Um, I, I have thoughts about the Santa 
withholding information from John, which we can get into later. But like even stuff like Sansa wasn't there when Ramsey made this comment about the dogs. And we all know how that ended up. I was like, yeah, I get it. But like, it was just so well directed and executed and it looked amazing. And I don't know how they're going to top it, but obviously they're going to have to. I just, I just thought it was, uh, it was so good. Lots, lots to unpack in all of what you just said. I think one of the first things is my feeling on the matter is like, sure, you can be upset that Sansa didn't talk to John. You can be upset about this. You can be upset about that. I feel like all of that, and it's Antonio Mazzaro is the guy who said this to me uh, in a text earlier in the week, is basically like, all of that falls in the face of just like the sheer spectacle and the achievement of this episode. Like so much was accomplished just on a technical level. Um, the pacing of the of the fight all of it was just it felt unprecedented it felt like nothing you had ever seen on television before and all of that was executed yeah it was just all executed at such a master class level that a lot of that nitpicking stuff that you know maybe some of it are you know you know bigger nits to pick <laughs> than <nitpicks>. others <laughs> um but i but i feel like i i just kind of don't care in the face of what they got so overwhelmingly right in such a big big way that this really does feel to me like you can, I mean, try. You can debate it if you want, but this is a, a top tier Game of Thrones episode. This is for me a very easy top five. I currently have it at number two of all time, just in terms of how massive it was and how expansive it was, how expensive it probably was. I got to imagine just the way that they pulled this thing off is unlike anything I've ever seen before, and that sheer spectacle alone is enough to push me past basically any of these minor cracks that a lot of people seem to be throwing at myself and Rob included. We've been taking the piss out of some stuff here. Uh, <laughs> What's as, your number one? Um, I mean, everybody's like really in on the zigzagging thing. I feel no, no, no. Like. What's your number one episode? Oh, of all time. Of oh, Rains yeah. of Castamere. Yeah, me too. Um, I think, but this one beat out hard home for me. The zigzagging thing, it's funny. I talked to Art Parkinson, who plays Rickon, and, uh, you and me both. You, uh, yes, and Ewan uh, Rion, who plays Ramsey Bolton. Did you get a chance to talk to him? Yeah, you and me both. Yep. All right. Well, I, I asked both of them about the zigzagging thing, and we were all like, listen, Ramsey was playing a game. Ramsey could have shot him no matter where he was running. Yes, Rickon maybe should have been smarter. But, you know, he hasn't had parents for most of his life to teach him about zigzagging and running serpentine. Uh, and also, like, it totally wouldn't have made a difference. Probably I'm, I'm with that it wouldn't have made a difference. Probably not. He was gonna get shot and killed anyway. You know? Yeah. It was it was gonna happen. And I asked that question to Art Parkinson as well, and he's like, ask the writers. Also, uh, we because like, I wanted a zigzag. We in, yeah, we interviewed very different versions of Art Parkinson, by the way, because I saw he like I was like pulling teeth to get answers from him, and I was like, look at all these beautiful answers that you got. So I asked him and I, I can't even remember what I asked him. I must have I asked him who he wants to win, and he said Khalid based on where he is right now and i was like wait are you watching game of thrones for the first time right now because he's only 14 and he is he gave the cutest answer he's like i'm in season three right now but i haven't gotten to the red wedding yet and i was like oh my god but he knows you sweet summer child yeah he's like i've been spoiled to everything but yeah he hasn't gotten to the red wedding yet it was my favorite thing i was like this is amazing um, I can't wait to hear what you think when you, he's like, I get why people are into this show. And I was like, oh yeah, do you now? <laughs> now you in? get it. Not from living through it and seeing the sco- the, the scale and the scope. Well, let's, let's face it. He hasn't been in that much uh, of it. All right. Terry Schwartz's favorite theory about how Game of Thrones would end, which was Shaggy Donga and Rickon 
popping out from behind a rock. Well, being the only that's, alive. that's Game of Thrones, but is that off the table for A Song of Ice and Fire? I mean, so much in the show right now is different from where we are in the books, including the Rickon story. Last we've heard of Rickon in A Song of Ice and Fire is in Dance with Dragons. Davo Seaworth is being sent off to go find Rickon. It seems like he's on Skagos. Uh, seems like he's chilling with maybe unicorns and cannibals and who knows who else. Who knows? Are we going to get a very different outcome for Rickon in the books, or do you think that this is tipping the hand that, yeah, Rickon is not making it out of the books either? Josh, Rickon is toast. You think Rickon is toast? Rickon is toast, as is Terry Schwartz's favorite theory. Oh, that's such a bummer. So how do you think things will shake out for him? Do you think it's going to be a similar situation where Rickon is going to be held captive by somebody, whether it's Ramsey or somebody else, and he's just going to be mercilessly killed? Or is there going to be a little bit more of a story for that character when we finally get there? You know, I feel like he is going to end up getting... I I have a feeling it'll probably happen pretty similarly, to be perfectly frank. Like, there's so... It's crazy to think how much has happened in the show that hasn't happened in the books yet. Um, Whether or not the Battle of the Bastards happens in the way it happens here, it it is a very Martin twist, I think, to to have Ramsay pull these types of things off. And, and, you know, whether it's Roos or whether Ramsay kills Roos like he did in the show or whatever ends up happening, I could see... Rickon just being a, a, you know, victim of of war of a bigger calling. Uh, our good friend Maester Goldner, as he often does, wrote in this week and said, so I guess RIP to all my great northern conspiracy hopes and theories. Uh, this week absolutely dashed all of those theories we've been wondering throughout the season. Is there any chance did somebody write the letter that Ramsey seemingly wrote? Was that part of, you know, some sort of plan? Is Rickon being turned over to Ramsey? Is this part of the Umbers joining up with the Manderleys? Please, can somebody have some sort of explanation for this that isn't just straight up small john umber is a jerk but it turns out small john umber is a jerk and he really is just on team bolton here were you really bummed by that were you surprised or no i didn't think i didn't think that all those other complications were were true i do think there's a chance that there's a grand northern conspiracy uh in the books oh yeah i think that's happening in the books. yeah i think that's happening for sure i think i mean we can see it with what's going on with danny and marine like they someone um, gave me a hard time for saying how the show like resolved the the Miranese knot that gave George such a hard time writing it and dance. But I was like, no, 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 it's not that they resolved it. It's that they like crudely snipped out the knot from the story and just threw it away. Like they they did their own thing and just circumvented all the things that made that storytelling compl- complicated for George. And I have a feeling that they did the exact same thing here, where they just simplified it and did it the, in the easiest way for them and the ways that made the most sense but i think i mean it depends what happens when we end up reading winds of winter but i have a feeling that the things that seemed like big jumps in logic on the show are them just trying to make things work that take a lot longer to play out in winds yeah i think that that's pretty clear with just the way that the show has been made and like with benioff and weiss saying we're done between 70 and 75 episodes we're looking at the very very final home stretch coming up pretty soon maybe spread across a couple of years but just like the final block of thrones is coming up and if that's the episode count that they've given themselves then that is like a willful choice to not go down some very complicated territory like the mirroni is not uh or the great northern conspiracy you just simplify that thing for the show and that's 
one of the beautiful things that you'll get if you are, you know, smart enough to go and dig around and look at George R. R. Martin's books. Uh, that's going to be one of those things that's going to pay off in a really big way in the books that just can't pay off on the show anymore. You would know what makes me both sad and nervous. Um, what makes me sad is that the finale is called The Winds of Winter, which means not only are the books passing the show, or is the show passing the books, but the show is actually putting out The Winds of Winter before George has. Um, what makes me nervous is like, we've gone through a whole season that's like largely been off book. Are we getting into a dream of spring territory at all? Do you think we're like getting that far past? the winds of winter? Well, I mean, it depends on like, you know, how much of that stuff is Game of Thrones closely adapting or are they so far off script at this point that the ending of Game of Thrones is just going to be vastly different from how the final stuff of the books play out. Um, it's very possible that in these final two seasons that we're going to see like a hold the door type of moment, some sort of really long held secret that George R. R. Martin has had since early on in the development of these stories, something where he's like, this is why Hodor is called Hodor because there's some sort of time travel nightmare murder twist coming your way that I'm going to write in my books. There might be something that's just that significant that will pop up in the final book of Martin's saga that will absolutely land on the show first. Yeah, I mean, we've been living in that situation for a little while now, mm-hmm. I think. I, I mean, we're like getting off base from, from talking about this episode, but I definitely like i have i have my bets on us getting r plus l equals j in the finale we were talking about that earlier in the season i feel like we find out what happened in the tower in the finale with brand coming back yeah well once again from maester goldner maester goldner had <laughs> called other his, people right in other people do but this was good he had called his shot on friday before battle of the bastards aired and said let it be known i'm sending this on friday prior to the show airing we will get the second half the important part of the Tower of Joy in this episode. It is known. If I am right, I demand a shout-out on the podcast. If I am wrong, I'll buy the PS Recaps crew a round of drinks. Possibly I would love that. Possibly water wine. No fried bread or burnt bacon. A man has spoken. That is what Mr. Colner said. He was wrong, so I guess we get drinks. Do we get to choose our drinks? (laughs) No goat's milk. No goat's milk. No goat's, no goat's milk. milk. Uh, but yeah, I think I think that Goldner's prediction was because it was uh, it was airing on Father's Day, so that would be like a cute little way of having the R plus L equals J reveal on Father's Day. I believe that the first scene of Tower of Joy was that on Mother's Day. I think in this uh, season, the Oathbreaker episode, I think fell on Mother's Day. So I don't think that Game of Thrones is playing that cute. I don't think that they're planning so. for holidays in the writing. Uh, I do think it would be a huge sham uh, and a shame if we did not get R plus L equals J on Sunday night. I would be really astonished if that does not come our way. I I really hope that it happens. I'd be Especially away. after all the delicious Jon Snow stuff that happened in this episode. Like, and And not only that, but think about how few houses are left standing. In not West- a lot. Not a lot. Like, Bolton is done. Ramsey made a point to make sure that line would not continue on without him. I don't even want to touch on the Sansa is pregnant theory beyond to say I think it is complete garbage that people are thinking Sansa is pregnant. It is not <laughs> I apologize a thing. for my role in it. 
Oh, I didn't know you had a role in it. No big I, role in it. Just wondering out loud and on the podcast and in some writing if it's a possibility. Okay. Well, a lot of people are putting a lot of thought into it. Josh, I apologize to you for doing this, but I do not want to put any more thought or That's time. That's fine. Into it. That's good. I think the Bolton, the Bolton line is over. All right. But, Terry Schwartz has spoken. Terry Schwartz has spoken. But I think what's so interesting, uh, going back to one of the big complaints about this episode is like, why would Sansa not tell John that she had this huge army. And I think that is the question that they're going to have to deal with in the finale. And we've gotten hints of that in the, the promo for next episode where he's like, listen, we, we have to work together. We're on the same side, but we've seen in the past, just because you're a part of the same family doesn't mean that you're necessarily on the same side. And I think Sansa has been burned by so many people that she knows better than to just say, Oh, well, you're my brother. So I guess I'll trust you with all, like all the cards in my deck. Um, I don't think that makes her a pawn of Littlefinger, but I do think that they might have different goals after this about where they go next, and that could definitely make a conflict between the two. And I don't see him being like, cool save, brah. Like, I have a feeling that he's he's not going to be happy with the fact that she didn't tell him that, something that could have saved thousands of lives. Cool save, bro. Bruh. Yeah, uh, I agree. I don't think that he's going to be saying cool safe, bro. I think that he is going to be saying, why didn't you tell me about that? Let's talk this through. Not necessarily angrily, Mm -hmm. but more like, can we trust each other? Can we figure this out? But I think you bring up a really good point about Sansa, who has been burned by a ton of people who has trust issues, very well-developed trust issues, and is somebody who is, you know, Pretty good at this. Pretty good at lying to people. Pretty good at getting one over on people at this point. Um, I do wonder what that fracture in uh, how Stark is going to look like or if this is just, you know, we're talking through an exaggeration that might not come to pass. Is it possible, though, that we're going to see some infighting between Sansa and John? I think Littlefinger being in this storyline really, really severely complicates things. Obviously, this is a hard one to read the tea leaves on because Sansa is not anywhere near the north in the books. She's still hanging in the veil. Um, But Littlefinger is now here and has his eye on the north in the books as well. Is this just like a shortcut way of getting both Sansa and Littlefinger potentially same page-ish in the north at the same time on the show, like you said, like cutting out the knot, whereas in the books, you know, this Knights of the Veil moment might still happen and Sansa rides to Winterfell that way. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there again, I keep like looking at the promo for next week as clues for where things could head, but I think that... Littlefinger makes that comment to Sansa where he's like, I'm, I've always been in it for the same thing. Now, is, does that mean Sansa? Is he just being a sap? Which seems to go against a lot of what we know about him, though we do know that he was very overwhelmingly um, affected by his feelings for Catelyn. Or, or does he want the North? I think what we'll, what we might see is Sansa saying, listen, I'm like Queen of the North. I, I'm the Warden of the North. I'm the Stark. And I have reclaimed Winterfell. This is mine. Um, whether Littlefinger finger stays by her side whether he tries to wed her or something remains to be seen Uh, i hope she's learned a lot from what's happened before and that she keeps coming up out on top because i think i just i love i love her arc this season it it really validates her arc for the series and even maester goldner is now uh, on team sansa he said after spending seasons of of calling for her head um, but where does John go next? And I think that's why the R plus L equals J reveal could be so important to come at this point in the story because he really has like completed a lot of his necessary goals and his big 
threat looking forward is that the White Walkers are coming, and what do we do next? Right, right. And I mean, I think that's where we're going. We have to be going there now. The North is unified. John has that on lockdown. Um, But what is, you know, what is the move from there, and how does he go up against the White Walkers? And I think that that ties to having an R plus L equals J type of reveal. John learning that he has Targaryen lineage. Um, at around the same time that you got to imagine Danny is going to be heading to Westeros in this finale. I would be shocked if that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, so that would be <laughs> Those really, are my two big bets. <laughs> yeah. So that'd be really great timing for John to know that he is a Targaryen just as a very major Targaryen is about to be showing up in Westeros. Well, I don't even think that it necessarily needs to be John who finds out. I think the audience needs to find out. I you think, think that the audience finding out before John, like you're good with that? Yeah, because it, it's got to be Bran, right? Unless those two things somehow happen at the same time, it seems like it's Bran who will have that answer. Maybe Bran is like, oh, I need to get to John and let him know about this. But I could definitely see it being something that John doesn't know about, but we know that there's this other really, you know, impactful element at play that needs to get resolved next season. Yeah. I think that um, some theories that I've seen thrown out there over the past week is, you know, uh, going in on like, yeah, R plus L equals J, that reveal has to happen. We have to be getting that in this coming episode, that it might not just be Bran figuring it out or Bran getting the other half of the Tower of Joy vision. I expect that we will get that, um, just because why invest all of that in the Tower of Joy sequence if you didn't film the other side of it? I got to imagine that they did. Um, but I think that there's also the possibility that other people know who Jon Snow's true father is. I think that it's not impossible that there are people out there who who don't, you know, I think that it's totally possible that there are people out there who have that information. Littlefinger might. And that's what I was going to say, is that Littlefinger yeah. could be that guy. I mean, there is that scene from season five where they are in the crypt, Littlefinger and Sansa, and they're looking at Lyanna, um, and she, you know, talks about how Rhaegar raped and murdered her, um, and Littlefinger gives a look. You know, this was a look of very gifable look. I'm I think sure. I wrote like 1,200 words yeah, about I'm that sure. book. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you did. <laughs> you know, a lot of people dissected that. So, like, a lot of people took that away to be, you know, to mean that Littlefinger knows a little more than he's letting on. So, if mm-hmm. Littlefinger is coming here to the north and saying, like, who has the true claim here? Not only, Sansa, are you a true-born Stark uh, and Jon Snow is a bastard, but he is not even Ned Stark's son. Uh, and, like, if Littlefinger knows, even if he doesn't know that Rhaegar Targaryen is part of it, but maybe knows, he would probably know that, I would guess, if he knows right. this much. Um, but knows enough to know that Jon, you know, that would be a really terrible, bittersweet way to find out this really badass rock star information for Littlefinger to be the guy who breaks that news to you. Um, but I think that that's on the table, that Littlefinger could be the guy that reveals R plus L equals J. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. Um, I think that would be a cool thing to have happen at the same time. I am like, I've just been loving Bran's storyline this season. And as much as he hasn't been on the show for the past couple episodes, I've been fine with it and really anticipate what happens with him. Um, and how I, I think my other big predict, uh, prediction for the finale is it's called the Winds of Winter. We've got to get like just a huge army of White Walkers at the wall. Yeah. Like it has to be a pressing concern. Um, and also think the great wildfire plot is going to come to light 
in the finale. Yeah, no, I think so. Landing. I think so as well. I think that that's being set up really well. But I agree on the White Walker front for sure. Uh, that I think that we got to we got to be seeing some of those guys really just at the wall's doorstep, uh, if not past it by the end of the season. Um, just because we're at the end game, and I think with the title being the Winds of Winter, that would be such a great way to go with it. I would I would be very very pleased with that. Um, as for as for John, this was from Daniel Strunk who says if John is indeed the son of Rhaegar and Lyanna. Did his poor performance at the Battle of the Bastards lessen Rhaegar's legacy as a skilled, borderline genius military leader? That feels unfair to Rhaegar. Yeah. It also yeah. feels unfair what to What did John. Rhaegar have to do with John's upbringing? <laughs> Nothing. That's Nothing. the point. Yeah. Yeah. He, had, he, he doesn't have enough Targaryen in him. He has, <laughs> he has, en- he has the Targaryen blood, but he, hasn't, he doesn't have, uh, he wasn't raised by fire. He was raised by ice. And John was such a Stark in this episode. He was such, uh, it, it, we say that with love, but also like, oh, such a star. Come on. Um, yeah, a little disappointing. Like, I was sitting there watching it being like, wait, did I miss something? Why did he do exactly the thing? Everyone was like, hey, don't do this thing. He's going to do this thing. Don't do it. Um, that was a bit frustrating. The show made up for it with how well executed everything about that battle was. That shot with everyone run like all the horses rushing up to him i was just like i was on the edge of my seat um the the single take following him through the fight where like it really made you feel like you were in the battle and i think we both read so many fantasy novels where you read about these battles and i was always wondering like why are these characters the ones who survive and it really put you into that scene and made you realize it's just luck like he was just lucky he was able to evade the arrows i think you know part of it is yes you can't kill this guy but i i think you felt the luck is much outweighed the skill on joe's john snow's part that kept him alive and then obviously the other really impressive sequence was um was when he like forced himself up through all the bodies to get a breath of fresh air. Like I never once thought John was going to die. Pretty rank episode. air, yeah. Oh yeah, yes, rank fresh air. Um, I never once thought John was going to die in this episode, but I like I just couldn't look away from the screen to do anything else, and I think that is a great, great testament to to Miguel Sapochnik. I don't know if so. his last name, uh, his directing. I want him to do the series finale at this point. No, he's great. He's, you know, directed two of the top five episodes of the show at this point. Maybe three. You know, we'll see how Winds of Winter goes. Um, yeah. I, you know, while I was watching it, uh, I was thinking to myself, like, I cannot wait to read this. Uh, you know, like, whenever this, and hopefully, hopefully this is not a battle that appears off page. I would be so upset about that. I mean, yeah. if it's playing out the way that it's shaping up in the books right now, now it's Stannis versus Ramsey, and we're hearing a lot about that, and we're seeing a lot in like the home bases, but we're not seeing a lot of battle, and Ramsey has reported that he's killed Stannis. I do think, I would guess, just connecting dots, that Stannis is somehow going to die before the battle is won. Jon Snow is going to come back. In the books, Jon has, you know, the, the pink letter precedes his death, so that's already on his mind for whenever he comes back. So I, right. do, I do think we'll get Jon Snow leading a battle against Ramsay Bolton in the books. Um, but I just wonder how that plays out. Like, what's the pacing of that going to be? Is it just going to be one gigantic Jon Snow point of view chapter? Who are going to be some of the other POV characters in there? I guess Davos uh, could potentially come back for that, but he's pretty far away uh, right now in the book. So I just I wonder, like, how that plays out when it finally becomes released in The Winds of Winter, uh, how that whole thing is just paced. 
were you surprised at Ramsey's death? And do you think he dies in a similar way in the books? Um, no, I wasn't surprised at all. Um, do I think he will die in a similar way in the books? I mean, you know, he's he's struck out against Jane Poole. It's not Sansa, so we wouldn't have Jane Poole's eyes on Ramsey in, you know, the same kind of scene. So if that is to happen to him, I would imagine that's off page. Unless, like, Theon is there to witness it, which would be great. That was my one big disappointment is uh, that there's really no final moment with Ramsey and Theon. Right. And that's such an important character in terms of what happened to Theon and everything that Theon is now owes a lot of origin to how awful his time with Ramsey was. Would have liked to have seen them have one final moment. Um, I could see us getting a catharsis down the road with him and Sansa again, though. Yeah, he just, like, hears about it. He's like, oh, that's so good. Or or they come face-to-face again (laughs) and just, I don't know, embrace. Uh, Like, that's the thing I'm most looking forward to as Game of Thrones wraps up is, like, characters reuniting and hugging and like hugging and uh, terry like, like i'm such a sap <laughs> the reuniting i feel like we will get i feel like we'll get a decent amount of hugging but it'll be short-lived short-lived hugging yeah brief hugs no okay. touching i'll take a brief hug yes uh do i th- were you surprised by the way ramsey went out or was that consistent with what you thought would happen no i totally thought that he was gonna die um and yeah not, i had like not no doubt at all that the boltons were gonna lose this one and i, feel I don't like- think it's gonna happen the same way in the books yeah. at all just because things aren't lined up but yeah like he got he got a death he deserved and i i do appreciate the questions of like is sansa becoming too ruthless and that like is she changing too much that she used ramsey's tactics against him i just think she's a changed woman um uh, and I like, I, I, you know, I'm a little bit scared of the Sansa she's become, but in a way that makes me respect her. And I came to a sort of a realization about these characters that I've been like, you know, is Danny becoming too much of a villain and stuff like that. And, and that conversation that Danny had with Yara about like, we need to be better than our, our parents. Like, you know, another sort of funny father's day lineup where they're like, our parents were terrible. We need That's to be the better father's than day shout out. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I realized like, the show has been walking this line with these characters and pushing them to really dark places because such terrible things have happened. And it just goes back to that thing that things aren't Game of Thrones or things aren't gray, uh, black and white in Game of Thrones. They're very gray. And so for these characters, we like to dip into dark and, and unforgivable and, and really, you know, dangerous territory. But then come back and still be good guys, I think is part of just the way the show and George's writing challenges people. And that made me come to terms with those things a little bit more. Well, you all, you've been on board with like the big Danny's going to be a big bad type of theory for a long time. How did this episode push you in that direction when we see Danny in the opening act of the episode in Mirene wanting to just like straight up murder everybody associated with the masters instead incinerates a ship. She's commanding Drogon at that point. The other two dragons are following suit. It's pretty badass, but do you feel like it built toward your theory at all that Danny is headed down a dark path? Yeah, yeah, it was totally badass. I just couldn't believe I was watching that. I was like, oh my God, this is the fantasy game of Thrones. Like this is, it's just going all in. All its chips are on the table. This looks incredible. Um, 
but it actually sort of made me dial back the villainy theory. I think having someone like having Tyrion call out the Mad King and check Danny made me think, okay, this is why he's her advisor. Like if anyone can, can keep her back from that ledge, it might be him. That said, she's not going to be a friendly face when she shows up to Westeros. She's going to be at odds with a lot of people who we like there. I like John's not going to welcome her with open arms. Um, Cersei certainly won't. So I think that we're going to see. John might welcome Danny with open arms if she's got dragons and they need them to beat back some White Walkers. You think so? You think he's not just going to be like, I don't know about this one. I think that they, I think it would require some negotiation, but it's a good thing that they have a friend in common in Tyrion. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. But yeah, I think, I think that she still is going to need to constantly be checked. And I don't think she, she's a good conqueror. I don't think she's a good queen. Uh, but I, you know, it did make me dial down that she's a straight up villain theory, uh, because I don't know. She's, she definitely seems like she's heading to Westeros this season. Yeah. But the wildfire, but not getting there, but the wildfire theory that you've been throwing around for a bit did get some bonus points this week. Oh, yeah, week. I'm so on board. Yeah, the line with, with Tyrion and Danny when he's talking her through the whole Mad King thing, like, do you know what your dad did? He had wildfires stored all throughout King's Landing in every major thoroughfare. It's like, okay, all right, enough. We get it. We know that this is happening. King's Landing is going on fire in the next episode. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was really funny. It was like, in case you missed all our other hints... Here is your reminder that there's a bunch of wildfire below King's Landing that the Lannister kids know about because Jamie found it. Now that Danny and Yara are linked up, how do you feel about this? Because we talked this through a little bit. You weren't sure, like, narratively, would it make sense for the Greyjoys and the Targaryens to be on board with one another? But here they are. They're aligned. Those hundred ships are going to House Targaryen. The Iron Islands will be independent, assuming that they don't rape and pillage their way across Westeros. That seems well, they, like a fair Allowed to. They seems, aren't allowed to. Yeah. yeah, it seems like a fair trade. What do you think? What did you think about this whole scene? Um, a hundred ships might have been launched to Westeros, but there's only one that matters, and that is Danny and Yara. Because <laughs> oh my god, that was like that. One of one of my coworkers at IGN tweeted after it. There, he's like, I really like Yara's straightforward lesbian approach to di- diplomacy. <laughs> <laughs> like, everything about that, like, even though it practically made no sense, like, not no sense. I think that I was just like, okay, sure, we're just going to accept this, and I'm fine with accepting this. But I loved everything about those scenes, and it, it's so fun just seeing more characters who we followed for years on the show come to face to face with Danny, who really hasn't had a lot of contact with the majority of the characters on the show. Like that was just so delightful. And I did not expect that to be the interaction between her and Yara. And I just, it was so good. It was so damn good. No, it's it's great. And I'm really excited for it because we keep trying to figure out like where, what does this mean for the books? Like how much of the show is now going to be seen in the books? Like how much is the show actually borrowing from Martin's plan? Is Martin's plan to align the Targaryens with the Greyjoys or at least for Danny to conquer the Greyjoys? You don't see her teaming up with Victarion. That doesn't seem to be something she's going to do. But uh, Asha, not you. Yara in the books and Theon are firmly in Westeros. Last we saw them, they're in the north. They're being held captive by Stannis. So how do those characters 
link up there? Are they going to link up there? Or is really the only important takeaway here, if we're trying to read the tea leaves for the books, that Danny is going to somehow take over the Greyjoy fleet, and that's going to be the big deal? Well, in the leaked description of the finale, it does say something about like Euron revealing his plan or, or something to that extent. So it could be that this beautiful, happy, blossoming lesbian romance that I would so love to see happen um, gets very quickly nipped in the bud. And maybe he shows up and just like straight up kills Yara or oh, something. That's so awful right? That but happened. it's such a Game of Thrones thing. Um, like maybe, maybe this beautiful plan doesn't work the way we thought that it would. Well, the worst thing about that, I mean, losing Yara would be awful uh, for many reasons. We don't have to get into every single one. Uh, but the biggest one would be, doesn't that seem like Danny now moving on to Westeros has just hit a really annoying speed bump and like she's not going to get there so fast if Euron shows up and really screws things up? That's why I feel like it can't Do you think happen. Euron will screw things up, though? I don't. Well, I feel like if he shows up and he kills Yara, is that like a big enough fight that now Danny is distracted with this thing that she has to solve before she heads to Westeros? Maybe. Or maybe she... I mean, she's been resolving her problems pretty quickly. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I mean, I don't see her in the moment, but like, it's just like every, like every episode where she's not problem solving is such a drag. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm okay with not speculating on that one quite yet though. That would be a concern of mine. I think Danny's riding to Westeros by the end of the season. I've been saying this for a while. I'd be really, really shocked if that is not where we go. Uh, let's make some final predictions here as we are starting to move into the winds of winter. It really is just like, it's, <laughs> I don't know whether to laugh or cry that the winds of winter is happening on Sunday. You know, that the winds of winter is indeed dropping in 2016. Just not the way we thought It's just, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, like, it's just mean on so many levels. I hope George acknowledges it. Or maybe there's, like, some big plan and it'll just come out on Sunday. Oh, just like Beyonce it. Yeah. Could you imagine? That lemon cake aid. I would download title to read uh, <laughs> Winter That's on the it. Only reason uh, it would you'd be able to find it in other ways. It'd be all right. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's start looking ahead. Uh, we didn't get to talk during no one at all. The Arya story wrapped up the way it wrapped up. Do you feel like that's the end for Arya, or is Arya coming back in the finale? I think that's the end of Arya for really? now. Though I, I do, I did uh, read some fun theories, like what if she is the one to finally get Frey justice? Because we know that Walter Frey is going to play a role in the finale, and why have him there? Especially with the snotty thing he says is like the the Lannisters and Freys send their regards or whatever we see him say, um, then then to finally get some Frey justice. But who would do it? So it could be Arya. So you would think that Arya would have gotten from Bravos to the twins in two episodes. I'm trying to think. I mean, Littlefinger travels really fast. Is yeah, Arya she, faster than Littlefinger? She... God, I, don't know. I mean, technically she got there in one episode in between seasons. Uh-huh. Or I guess that was two episodes. Um, that's just a theory, and I'm into it. But I do think that we've sort of seen the last of her. I don't know if we check back in with Brienne. I don't think we check back in with Dorne. There's just, like, so much stuff that's happened that we... I, I bet that we've seen quite a few final scenes already, and they really need to focus on uh, on what's in 
what they need to tie up in the finale. Is Are there any of those characters who we might have already gotten um, final scenes who you would definitely want to check back in on before the end of the year? Yeah, I mean, if we didn't check back in with... Um, if we don't see anything further from Sam and Gilly, then it's like, that's so weird that they were on this little journey to Old Town and they don't either don't get there or don't return to the North. Like, one of those two things I feel like has to happen in the finale. Josh, I'm going to drop a scoop, and I'm not going to tell you how I know, but I will confirm that they are in the finale. Whoa! Look at you, Scoops. I know. Scoops. That's my big scoop. All right. So (laughs) For everyone who listens to this before the final. I'm back! (laughs) Yes. And he said, that's all he says, and then that's all we see. Okay. So that sounds fun. We will see. He's literally just going to show up to say, toasty! We will. And God, they have had nothing to do this season. So hopefully they get something good. Yeah, so hopefully we'll get that. I mean, I don't need to check in with Bravos. Like, I don't need to go to the House of Black and White. I'm good with that being done. If we didn't get more Arya this season, that wouldn't be the end of all things for me. It feels like her story wrapped up, and it could take her a minute to get back to Westeros. The one that would be devastating, although he's in the preview, would be if we got no more Bran, because it's been so long since we've gotten Bran. Seems yeah, like we'll, no, we've got to. Seems like we'll get him. I bet, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't get the Hound again. Uh, if that was just like a two-episode arc for the Hound, and that's yeah. it. I would be, yeah. How did you feel about the second Hound episode? Because we didn't get to talk that through. Yeah, I think that was my least favorite of the season. Just there's, the episode generally, or the Hound storyline? No, the episode as a whole. Um, it was fine. I think part of the problem for me personally was like the stories that I'm most invested in weren't really in that episode. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, those two episodes, my, Mark Mylod's two episodes didn't quite, I thought they were the weaker points of the season. And even like you could tell on the internet, like people just weren't chatting about them as much. I think Game of Thrones used to have a lot of slow episodes and then really explode at the end. I think those were our two lows this season. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad to still have the hound back. Yeah. And I thought the stuff with the Brotherhood Without Banners was great. Yeah, I think on reflection, I think that no one was worst of the season, probably. Uh, and I think probably a bottom-tier episode of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah, what are you going to do? They can't what all be you? knocking out of the park. But probably still like the, great, the like the arc of quality between no one and battle of the bastards. Like, is, has there ever been like a better, like, you know, going from like bottom of the pile to real top of the heap? Uh, yeah. Much like Jon Snow himself rising up from the <laughs> pile of bodies and gasping for air. Uh, pretty good stuff over there. All right, let's hit some of the feedback that we've got from people this week. A bunch of people who are saying uh, the Tower of the Joy is going to happen. Christine Abbott had written in and said, I'm sure we'll get the Jon Snow parentage reveal in the finale, but how and when does Jon himself become enlightened? This information becomes so much more exciting when we see Jon become self-aware and realize who he truly is. I'm hoping Littlefinger may have information he used to persuade Sansa. Maybe he convinces Sansa that Jon's place is elsewhere, defending the realm, leaving Sansa's claim to Winterfell wide open for him to manipulate and unite with the Vale. Do you think Jon finds out he's the son of Rhaegar and Lyanna, or is this more likely to be pushed to the final two seasons? So we talked about this a bit already, Terry, the Littlefinger theory possibly being in the mix there as well. Let's take a stand. Let's draw a line in the sand right now. Is Jon finding out that he is the product of R plus L in the finale? Yes or no? What's your position? Can we both be on the same side on this? Because you now think that yes. Yeah. I mean, you think he's going to find out? And how's I'm he like, going to find I'm out? I'm like 60-40, but I'll go with yes. Okay, and how's he going to find out? Is it going to be through some vision? Is somebody going to come Oh, come on. Well, then I'm going to go back to no. I'm going to say that Bran finds out and John doesn't. Okay. 
I'm because com- you have better theories. I'm comfortable uh, with that. You can say Bran finds out. John doesn't. I'll say John finds out. I would say Bran probably finds out as well. Yeah, but how how does John find out? I would. I like the Littlefinger theory. I think that's great, and that just like feels like a good you know scene. Like one of the big ideas of this story is like bittersweet. You know, like what's right. the what's the bittersweet way to reveal that news? Would be for like Littlefinger to tear away the one thing that John like maybe secretly had always wanted was like to be his father, to be the Lord of Winterfell, and be Warden of the North. And now it's within reach, uh, and now suddenly he is not only going to be that person but his father isn't even really his father uh yeah. and he's learning this from like such a jerk in the form of little finger i feel like that would be pretty good that would be pretty good that'd be pretty good uh this is from our good friend brendan fitzpatrick did you see any foreshadowing between the sansa scene where sansa gets the dogs to kill ramsey because they are no longer loyal due to not being fed for seven days and danny's dragons possibly turning on her because she didn't feed them and locked them away Beasts are loyal if you're good to them, but Danny has not been good to her dragons. Is there anything to predict out of that, Terry Schwartz? Are the dragons going to rebel? I don't think so. It I don't like think that was a cool. parallel. Yeah, yeah like I think they it. were taken care of. Like she didn't willy, she didn't do that to like rile them up to kill her enemies. She did it because she thought she was doing the thing to protect the most people. And that backfired, and I don't think she's ever going to do that again. Um, and also, Drogon has been pretty well taken care no, of. No, Drogon is chill. Yeah, he's he's mega chill. He's mega chill right now. He's just hanging out. He's doing fine. And I think the other two are, you know, they seem to be on message. They seem to be yeah. doing just fine. This is also from Brendan. Do you think it's possible we'll see anyone else ride a dragon next season? Yes. I was really hoping we'd see <laughs> Dario on the back of one of the dragons during that scene where all oh, three Dario are doesn't fine. deserve it. Dario doesn't get a dragon? I'm no. I'm good with that. No, I think I think we'll definitely like watching her fly Drogon, but have the other two flanking her. I was like, oh, who are the other two heads of the dragon? We've got to get that at some point. I think they're building up to it. But you don't it, think it looks so good. You don't think it would be this season? No, I don't think it'll be this season. I think we need to earn who her other dragon riders are. I don't think that's something that she chooses lightly. All right. This is from Laurel Braun, who says, Now that it appears that Arya has reached the end of her time in Braavos and she has declared herself Arya Stark, I'm left curious about what it means to be Arya Stark. One could argue that she hasn't truly been Arya Stark since Sirio started calling her boy. Uh, I believe that's Yorin who said that. Uh, so now that she has finally claimed her identity, who does she think she is and how will that affect her storyline going forward? Uh, you think so- she's Lady Stone Arya? <laughs> Lady Stone Arya. <laughs> she, she, we've been thinking that, that Sansa is going to be the one bringing revenge to Westeros. But hey, Arya still has a list. And she wants to be Arya again. So you could see Arya being, uh, filling in the Lady Stoneheart role where she's just going to be wandering the Riverlands, knocking out Freys. I mean, going back to that theory that I heard that I, I am now super into, uh, yeah. And I'd be okay with it. That's interesting. That's interesting. She uh, was there. She, she cares more than Sansa does, maybe, probably. Did Beric Dondarrion being alive completely rule out Lady Stoneheart for you, or are you still holding out some small measure of a chance that she shows up in the finale here in the Winds of Winter? No, I don't think she's going to show up then. I think I'm sure there will be something next season that makes me think, oh, maybe now, but no. I'm, I'm, when I do that, verbally reprimand me and say, no, Terry, no, you've already decided it's not going to happen. No, I'll Stick- be down that rabbit hole as well. 
well, someone else shake us out of it then. No, one will no be I don't think it's going to no happen. No one will be able to do it. All right, final one. This is from Joanne Burley. After the book club discussion of Brand's visions, I looked at a still shot of the shadow of what is thought to be Jamie killing the Mad King. The shadow is distorted, but kind of looks like it's holding a wine goblet. We know who is almost always with wine in hand, so maybe it's a future vision of the death of the Mad Queen Cersei. This is an idea we talked about a little bit in book club last week while you were gone, Terry, that maybe in that vision that Bran is seeing, if we're talking about the wildfire that he's seeing, not being a past vision of the Mad King setting King's Landing on fire, but a future vision of King's Landing being on fire, presumably because Cersei is the one who is setting King's Landing on fire or unleashing wildfire, then is it possible if you look at that scene where Jamie Lannister in the vision is stabbing someone in silhouette, someone with long hair who you would just naturally assume is the Mad King because that's something that Jamie very famously did in the past. Could he be stabbing Cersei in that moment? Is it possible that Jamie is going to be killing Cersei? Yes, it's definitely possible he can kill Cersei. Um, I don't think so. I, I like very meticulously screenshotted a lot of that stuff. And like, you see Jamie lunging up to the Mad King. Um, I mean, maybe that would be like a cool bait and switch. I guess, but I don't, I think that what we're seeing then, like my, my cover photo on Twitter is him stabbing Mad King question mark, Cersei question mark. Um, So I'm looking at it. Yeah, I know because I don't care about spoilers. So (laughs) wow, (laughs) that imagery is awesome. And no one ever looks at like people's Twitter profile pages. Uh, But yeah, I maybe, but I'm still leaning towards Mad King. Okay. Any final predictions going into Winds of Winter or just general overall site? It hurts when you say it like that. It's what it's called. It's called the Winds of Winter. What do you want me to say? Um, Okay. What are my predictions? Uh, R plus L equals J. Danny sets it or heads off to Westeros, but doesn't get there. She can't travel that fast. Uh, Cersei Wildfire. Um, what other, we had another good one. Oh, the John and Sansa confrontation about her actions with the army at the veil. Set to the tune of the confrontation from Les Miserables. Yes, absolutely. Uh, those are my four big ones. What about you, Josh? No, I mean, I'm sharing all of that. I did a predictions draft with Rob Sesternino during our feedback show. Feeling pretty good about mine. I predicted that Danny will head to Westeros. I also predicted that there would be some Cersei and wildfire action. And I predicted Robert Strong's probably going to kill somebody. Like somebody's going <laughs> to die. And Robert Strong is going to do it. Maybe uh, yeah, I think Rob predicted that we would get another Arya sighting, uh, that we would get another Dorn sighting. I hope he's wrong about that. Uh, and also predicted a return to the Tower of Joy. So I feel like at least uh, two of those predictions feel good to me. I don't know about Dorn. We'll see. We'll know in the opening credits. Yeah, I guess we will. Oh, my God. How nice will it be to have the Stark sigil? over Winterfell again. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a really good point. Oh, man, I hadn't even been thinking about that, but that's going to be the first time in forever. Oh, that's going to be good. Yeah, that'll be really great to go back to Winterfell and actually see. That was such a great sign in the episode itself when the direwolf banner was just, like, hanging from the side of Winterfell. I was like, yes, please, more of that. But now we're going to see it in the opening credits, and that almost feels better because I hated seeing, like, that rotating flayed man. That guy, oh, he killed me. Hated. R.I.P. Flayed Man. R.I.P. Flayed Man. R.I.P. this week's episode of the Game of Thrones Book Club. As always, you can get questions into us at postshowrecaps.com slash feedback or G.O.T. at postshowrecaps.com. 
Sportsnet.com. We'll be back next week talking about the season finale, season six overall, predictions for the future, all of that good stuff when the book club returns for the final episode of season six. Terry is on Twitter at Terry underscore Schwartz. All of her awesome stuff happening at IGN.com where she's killing it, covering Game of Thrones and so much more. I'm at Round Howard. You can follow me there. We will be back next week. Anything else, Terry? That's it. That's it. That's a wrap. Oh, no. Hashtag how it? Hashtag Rick on Schwartz. Yeah, hashtag Rick on Schwartz. Hashtag Rick on Schwartz. R.I.P. Rick on Schwartz. He made it this far, but Rick on Schwartz lives forever. Yeah. Uh, all right, everybody. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.